wonderful people. This is episode 10, 11 of Bands and Motivation. I am Iyamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone, except those that are carrying on with business as usual. Living like COVID is gone. It is not, guys. Stop it. Yes, you're tired. Yes, it's been six months. You want to go out. You want to have fun. You want to keep living. You're actually doing us a huge disservice. You are spreading the virus. You are making everywhere a hotspot. If you know or follow the news, you know that British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has reinstated some of their lockdown rules. So they have reduced the number of people that can gather together in any place to six. This is not helping anybody, guys. We're actually regressing instead of progressing. I do have a question about that, though, because he said it was going to start on Monday. So why Monday? Is that like some unspoken rule or did he broker some peace deal with the coronavirus? Like, don't attack anybody. Don't infect anybody. You know, let's chill. Everybody stay on your own side. And then on Monday, we get back to business as usual. I don't understand that. If it's something urgent, then that's something that should be reinstated right away. Starting from today or tomorrow, what's the point of saying Monday? What's supposed to happen between all those days that this new law is not brought back? Anyway, it's really annoying. I've seen a lot of people who are in the UK complain about it. They are not happy. And to be honest, can't blame them. I hope you guys had a good week so far. This week was short, maybe because Monday was a public holiday. How is your health? If you listened to last week's edition, Hot Girl Ayo gave us some amazing self-care tips. And I hope that you guys have been able to put at least one or two of those into practice. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? Do you have any suggestions that you would like to share with me and everybody else who listens? I was talking to one of my friends and she's talking about a clothing business that she wanted to start. And she said, well, nobody is buying clothes. That's not really what is on people's mind right now. And when I thought about it, I was like, hmm. Yes, you're very correct. But at the same time, I think that would be a good self-care option or self-care tip simply because when you buy a new outfit, it gives you that anticipation, right, of wearing it and what you're going to pair with or these accessories and these shoes. A lot of times when people go shopping, when they get home or when they order online and their goods are delivered, they try it on. They want to see what it looks like. They want to style it. They might take pictures. There's this excitement that it gives you or it brings to you. And I feel like that will make you look forward to COVID ending, the world opening, and being able to go out and have fun, maybe attend weddings, go to dinner with your friends, just do the things that you actually like and you enjoy. So that will be my tip for this week. If you're financially flexible, get yourself something nice, an outfit, a pair of shoes, something that you can look forward to wearing. When COVID opens up, I'm pretty sure that will cheer you up or put a smile on your face or make your day at least. So this week we will be talking about another culture vulture. So we spoke about Rachel Dolezal what a few weeks ago when I talked about black fishing on that episode. And here we have another one, <laughs> another person who is living as a black woman, but is not. So Jessica Krug, Krug, I don't know how to pronounce it, but she was a professor at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. So you might have heard about her, you might not have. And then the second topic we'll be talking about is Cuties. Very, very highly controversial. But it's a movie on Netflix that came out you know, a few days ago. 
and it has people up in arms. You've probably been seeing the hashtag cancel Netflix. And I want to kind of dive a bit into the backstory. Spoiler alert, I have watched the movie from the beginning to the end. I did not skip any parts. I did not pause, fast forward. My full attention, I was actually watching. I recorded some clips. So yes, I will be talking about that. Mental health. I know we keep talking about this. You guys are like, why is this girl stressing about this? She is not a psychologist. She's not a doctor. She's not a therapist. Guys, it is so important, but so neglected. Last week, a man in Texas, he lives with his wife and his two children who were teenagers, 13 and 16, living in an apartment, got into an argument with his wife because he said they were making noise and he was having a headache. And they were, you know, guy, you're exaggerating. It's not that big a deal. Stop, you know, making a fuss. And he went out and brought, or went into the room, not went out, brought a gun, shot his wife, shot his two kids, waited for an hour, and then called the police. Of course, they died. It doesn't even make sense on any planet, right? You were having a headache because they were making noise. How much noise were they making? There was no complaint saying, okay, neighbors, you know, came to knock to say, hey, guys, you're making too much noise. Neighbors didn't call the apartment complex. They didn't call the police. They didn't file a report. So that means the noise couldn't have been that much. But he was probably at the end of his rope. He was probably struggling. He's been in quarantine, in lockdown with these same people for, I don't know, six months at this point. He was frustrated, probably wasn't taking care of his mental health. And he snapped. There's no other explanation. He snapped because he did it and he just sat there for an hour and then called police. You know, if he had called 911 as soon as it happened, who knows, paramedics would have come. They might have been able to resuscitate them, rush them to a hospital. But that one hour was crucial. Now he's facing, I mean, Lord knows, at least three life sentences unless he's found mentally incompetent, in which case he probably will go to an asylum or something for the rest of his life. But I don't see him being a free man or anything like that, which is really, really sad. So that's why I keep reiterating, check on your mental health. I don't know how else to say this. You need to make sure that you are fine. You are okay. You are taking care of yourself. Don't let any surprises spring up on you. If you need to take time out, please do that. Focus on yourself. Self-care, self-care, self-care. Anyway, let's get into Jessica Krug. Krug. Not sure what her last name is. To be honest, it doesn't matter. So this lady supposedly was Afro-Latina from Puerto Rico. So someone who's claiming black roots, also Latina. She's from Puerto Rico, was giving the whole Boricua vibes. You know, I live in the Bronx, which there are a lot of, you know, Caribbean, Afro-Caribbeans who live in the Bronx, a lot of Puerto Ricans who live in the Bronx. That's the identity she was using and claiming. She's a smart woman. She has a master's. She has a PhD. She was a professor at George Washington, which is, you know, really good university right there in DC. And she was teaching African-American and Latin American studies. So that's what she was specializing in, history and other things relating to, you know, those cultures, being someone from that culture, having the first-hand experience, obviously her family, right? Living through all of that. She even won grants and awards that were stipulated or set apart for Latinas, for Black people, you know, minority scholarships and grants and opportunities and fellowships. All of that. She was teaching for years. It's not like she just came on the scene last year or the year before. She would join rallies. There's a video of her from a few months ago, you know, saying my brothers and sisters and those of us who have been through this and that. She would actually 
go all in, like go in on people who she felt were not representing the black fights really well. Like you're not doing enough. You're not gingered enough. She was like anti-white, pull down whiteness, deconstruct it. That was really her vibe. That was what people liked her for. That was what she built her career doing. That is what people knew about her. In reality, Jessica Krog is a hundred percent white. Full hundred percent white. She is Jewish and she is from Kansas City. So you have yourself some kind of Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz situation, because Dorothy was from Kansas and she's white, white as can be. So this woman has no black anything, no Latina anything. In fact, if you look at her pictures from when she was in high school, because the pictures of her, I think from her yearbook that have surfaced now, she's as white as a sheet. Like literally when you say white, when you think of a white person, that's who she is. So think about all the efforts that went into her pretending to be, you know, Afro-Latina, making your hair curly, who knows what treatment she was doing, probably the same one Rachel Dolezal was doing, tanning or coloring your skin, right? Because People from Puerto Rico, black people, people who are mixed from either of those places do not have white as snow skin, you know? So she definitely had to get the work done to make herself darker, to change some of her features, to wear her makeup in a certain way. And then, of course, the way she speaks. I've watched a video of her talking and she didn't sound authentic to me. But at the end of the day, what exactly is an authentic accent from, you know, wherever, right? What's an authentic Texas accent, right? What's an authentic California accent? What's an authentic New York accent? Depends on where exactly and that person's journey. Might have been born somewhere and then moved somewhere else and moved somewhere else. So of course, your accent or the way you express yourself or the kind of words or slangs that you use will be a collection of the different you know, experiences that you have lived. So but people who are familiar or who are now listening because now she's in the limelight are like, that is a lot of it's fake. It's forced. It's not authentic at all. She was apparently even teaching salsa classes. People are like, this is just all just not it. The way someone put it was, this is someone who lives her life like she thinks Chipotle is prime or premium, you know, Latin food or Latina food or Latin American food, which I mean, Chipotle is just a fast food place, <laughs> you know? So clearly she's a fake. But Somehow she was able to convince people in the academic world, convince people in George Washington University, and really thrive on this whole fake persona of being a black person. And one thing I was telling people, where was her family when all this was happening? Because they, as culpable as she is, if they didn't raise the alarm or try to make it false or even do anything about it. But apparently her family members now are coming out to say they are as surprised as the rest of the world is. When her mom passed away, she didn't even attend the funeral and they didn't understand what was going on. But now one of her aunties said it makes a lot of sense because there's no way she would have come to her mom's funeral as this wannabe mixed-ish Puerto Rican meets black and her family won't have <laughs> probably called 911. So this identity that she created, this persona she was living as was so important to her that her family was like, whatever, trust you guys. I don't care about you. I don't know when, I haven't been able to find out when exactly she started this persona because somebody should have been able to find, I don't know, graduation pictures, pictures of her, 
people who knew her went to school with her. I don't know if she left high school, left Kansas, moved somewhere else and recreated the identity. I don't know if it was between undergrad and her master's, or between her master's and a PhD. But at some point in her life, she took on this full personality of an Afro-Latina person. Now, you guys know how much this irritates me because I talk about this all the time. She claimed that she has an unaddressed mental health issue. Like she has unaddressed mental health demons. That's exactly the way she put it. So she actually put out a whole, I don't know, self-expose or whatever on a blog medium. And that's how all this information came out. So it's like, you know, she's quote unquote reported herself. So she's giving you the idea that she is, what's the word? Maybe apologetic and she's sorry and she's tired of living this lie. And that's why she's breaking down and telling you the truth. Don't believe it for a second. The only reason that she confessed and tried to get ahead of the story is because people were digging into her life, digging into her story. They were trying to find out, okay, what exactly is behind this woman? Like, who is she? Where did she come from? People were already suspecting her. I don't know if it was somebody, I think a student and maybe some other faculty and other universities. So to get ahead of it, she did that whole expose and, you know, how you see in all these movies where people are saying, you know, I'm at the mercy of the court and, you know, let me confess. And if I confess, have mercy on me, or, you know, your majesty or your highness or whatever. So it was supposed to be that whole, here I am, I'm humble. I've made this mistake because I have these mental health issues. I'm so sorry for it. I'm sorry about it. I'm confessing my sins. You know, forgive me, pardon me. I'm the scum of the earth. We don't believe it. We don't buy it. She only did that because she was about to be outed. And in her final act of madness, decided, you know what, if anybody's going to tell my story, I will tell my story. It's ridiculous. And let me tell you guys the highlights. Because when we talked about black fishing, I talked about the concept of a culture vulture. And she said, I am not a culture vulture. I am a culture leech. Yes. <laughs> this crazy woman says, I'm not a vulture. I'm a leech. And when you think about it, it's funny, but she's so right. Because vultures kind of circle around while something is going on. They're not going to kill. But once they see something that is dead or, you know, pretty much dead, they will Feed on it. Interesting fact, guys. Did you know that a group of vultures is called a wake? Like, they have different names at different points. So when they're perching on trees, it's called a committee, which is so funny. Who knows what meeting they're having, right? But when they're feeding, which, of course, they feed on carcasses, it's called a wake. When you think about wake, like wake, wake, keep, it's really mind-blowing. Maybe you knew this anyway. But fact, I just wanted to put in there. She says, I'm not a culture vulture. So a vulture is someone who, I guess in the terms of culture, would have allowed you know, let's say black people or Latina people or Asian people, whatever the culture or, you know, group or race was, to do all the work, to suffer all the repercussions. And then when things start thriving, they pick up on those things or they take certain parts that they want and they make it a big deal. They enjoy it. They reap the benefits of it. They don't care. Now she's saying, I'm a culture leech. When you think about a leech, a leech is actually just that little slug thing that just gets on you. And start sucking your blood. A lot of times you can't even tell, right? They're literally just feeding. And what happens is when they feed till they are full or tired, they will actually fall off you. Like they've had their feel. They're not harming you necessarily. I mean, they're sucking your blood, but they're not really giving you anything. You might have rashes and, you know, itch or whatever on that spot. But they're just there to take their feel and leave. 
they don't necessarily care what else is happening. They're only there for their best interest. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to rescue you. They just want to be a part of the process and take what they can get. And she's actually right. She is a culture leech, right? Because she pretended to care about the cause. It wasn't like, oh, I just took their hairstyle or I just took their dressing. Which, of course, guys, they said she always dressed flamboyantly on campus, right? Wearing all these like excessive native prints. You know how African prints are so colorful and there's all kinds of patterns and designs. So she was doing that, you know, Latina stuff. African stuff. She also somehow claims to have North African heritage. Like, seriously, sis, your story, there's just too much. How did nobody find her out sooner? Anyway, so she was doing all that extra stuff, literally trying to live the life. Like, imagine growing up in suburban Kansas City, come from a good, you know, family that wasn't poor or nothing. Like, you know, parents were together. They had a decent amount of money, sent her to school, had a, you know, regular life, all of that. And then you move yourself to the Bronx. The Bronx is not the best place in New York at all. I don't know that there's anything fancy about the Bronx or, oh my goodness, I'm so excited that somewhere that I want to go settle. So she literally immersed herself in that home. This is what I'm living. I'm actually in it, in the mix. I'm living it. I'm part of it. Sending protests. She's, she's black in her mind and her actions and to people who know her. So she definitely is a lich because she latched on to that Afro-Latina identity and literally was just hanging on and sucking out as much as she could. Okay, I can get a grant. Okay, great. I can get a fellowship. Oh, great. I can get, you know, tenured professor. I don't know if she was tenured. Let me not say that, but get, you know, professorship spot. I can, you know, become popular or famous. Students can like me. I can write books. I can make money. Literally just sucking out, sucking out, sucking out, sucking out. And as soon as she was about to get caught or had had her feel, she just jumped off, right? And then she says, you know, I should be canceled you know, cancel me. First of all, where do you get, oops, you have the nerve to tell us what to do to you. Are you serious? That even shows that you're not remorseful at all. Literally, you're like, well, what's done is done. I've gotten what I could get. Do your worst. That's really what it is. So the school said they were going to investigate. Of course, in another act of power, she ended up resigning when everything went public and people were dragging her. And of course, the school is trying to do damage control. Students are complaining. And this is a school that is, you know, private. They are paying premium tuition. Like, I'm pretty sure it's nothing less than $50,000 a year. So you don't go all the way there to have this kind of scandal. Parents, alumni, everybody's like, what is happening? Like sponsors, how did this person fall through the cracks? This is such a dent on this university's reputation. Anyway, they pulled out all her stuff from the website. She's not teaching anymore. Other professors are taking her courses and classes and, you know, School is trying to placate the students, and wow, guys, wow. It is such a disgusting shame when you think about all the struggles that people from those groups she was pretending to represent have been through. There is a quota, and I don't care what people say or how they try to act like that's not the truth. Every establishment, every organization has a quota, right? They only want a certain number of people, sometimes to meet diversity standards. That's the truth. Same thing for educational programs. Okay, they have maybe 10 PhD spots. They only want, you know, maybe three minority out of those three. One has to be a woman. All those different dynamics. You don't belong to this category at all. But you immerse yourself in that to take opportunities from people who already have gone through a history of not having enough or not being given enough. So maybe in the entire world, there are, I don't know, 50, 100, maybe in the entire United States, sorry. Or 100 
possibilities or opportunities for a black woman to be, you know, in a professor role. You took one of those and there's somebody else who actually lived that struggle, is that, you know, race or from that culture, whose family has come through a lot, who has hustled, who has, you know, beaten the odds, really. And you took that spot from that person. So when she says she has some mental health demons, she has demons for sure. She has something wrong with her. But I don't think it's a case of maybe I'm depressed or, um, you know, whatever she wants to call herself. She's a psychopath. That is really what it is. Every day going out there, lying to these people, going back home. I'm just imagining her sitting at home, drinking wine, just laughing, like cackling to herself, like, you know, some kind of witch in a cartoon. Like I'm fooling these people. These people must be stupid. What in the world? She literally fooled some of the brightest minds that we have. And I said it last time, maybe in all this push for, you know, equality and equity and black people having a seat at the table, we're missing something. There is a gap where people like this are able to sneak their way in and just fully enjoy even the benefits that, you know, a lot of regular, you know, actual real black people can't get or don't have access to. So it's almost like you have the perks of knowing the behind the scenes and being set up from childhood and having some other, you know, things in place. And then you use that to take from people who don't already have enough. It's disgusting to say the least. And we need to do better. Vetting people, vouching, doing research. I always say this, don't take anything at face value. Just because someone comes and says, I'm this, or look at this, it doesn't mean it's true, right? Pictures, videos, anything can be edited, can be put together. People can form a whole persona and it doesn't mean anything. Do your research. Go, I mean, backwards. Okay, who knew this person, you know, in high school, in elementary school? Let's see pictures. Let's hear from classmates and teachers and family members. And it should be a wholesome, you know, kind of, I don't know, application or vetting process where there's actually proof. There is a paper trail we can see hey, this is who this person was, this is where they came from, people can vouch, verify, and then up to the point where they are. That is the only way that we'll keep, because this is so embarrassing. It is ridiculously embarrassing, right? The joke is on us, really. So that is, I think, the only way that we can make sure stuff like this does not keep happening. I'm tired of it. I don't know about you guys. And yes, I'm shouting. I'm not shouting at you. I'm shouting at her and the people who supported her and are not acting surprised because she was a fake. I would have called it. Yes, I'm saying that with my chest. If I knew her personally, I would have called it. Anyway, that's a perfect segue into the second story. So like I said before, I know this is very controversial. A lot of people are very upset about it. There's a lot of arguments. I just come with people in groups, in person, in private. Some responded, some didn't reply me back. That's fine. But in the same vein of do your research, let me backtrack. So Cuties is a movie on Netflix. And a few weeks ago, that was the first time I heard about it before it actually came out on Netflix. So it premiered at one of these film festivals, had like amazing reviews. And Netflix had, you know, before a movie comes out on Netflix, they'll have like a picture about it saying like coming soon. Sometimes they might have a trailer. And the picture that they used was of some young girls, black and white, in, you know, tight bum shorts and crop top and hair done and you know makeup and all of that and they are posing in suggestive ways so when you see that the first thing you think is okay what is this about but when you read the synopsis it doesn't match 
what that picture is saying. You don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, people were up in arms about that. Netflix, you know, backtracks, changes the cover to another scene in the movie where two friends, a black and a white girl, are sitting in front of a washing machine in a laundromat. Okay, fair enough. But I think people's tentacles or whatever antennas were already up, like, hmm, what's going on here? What is this about? So, yes, I blame Netflix for that in the first place because that was just bad, you know, marketing or publicity or whatever you want to call it. I will stop here to say, let's establish the facts, which we all know, that in the Western world and in a lot of other places too, sex sells, right? They sexualize young girls, they sexualize, you know, artists, if you're in music industry, if you act, they try to make everything, you know, sexy and appealing, right? So the first question is, why would anybody be trying to sexualize little girls? So in the movie, these girls are 11. So of course they're kids. But at first glance, right, when I saw that image, even without reading the synopsis, I knew it had to do with dancing and I wasn't alarmed. Now, I consider myself moderately conservative, you know, and I'm Christian, like I say all the time, unapologetically so. So when I saw that, I thought it was a dance thing and it didn't really raise any red flags, right? And I'll tell you why. Over the years, I've watched so many different dance, you know, groups and things. There's some that, you know, come up on Snapchat, a lot of them that have gotten either Netflix specials or on TLC or any other channel, you know, before Netflix and co became huge. I've seen some of them in person, in real life, you know, going to perform or at an event, so on and so forth. And that is their standard uniform. Even the ones who are kids, like just go on Google and put in, you know, like dance group for little girls. Those are the pictures that come up. These, whatever these costumes or uniforms are made of that particular material, right? Like very shiny. The colors are really bright, sparkly. Super short, super tight, midriff, everything is bare. And they will have makeup on, wigs, hair done. I'm talking about some kids that are five, six, right? So when I saw that, that's what came to mind. Oh, this is one of those things. I mean, think beauty pageants as well for kids, for young girls, it's the same thing. So that's what came to my mind. Oh, this is, you know, one of their dance type things, right? So the fact that people are screaming about that cover alone, I'm like, that's really high, um, what's the word, hypocritical because every dance, I mean, cheerleaders in high school, cheerleaders in middle school, cheerleaders in college, professional cheerleaders at basketball games and football games, that is what they wear. And you can't tell me, okay, you know, it's because they have to be flexible, they're dancing, they're doing splits, they're flipping. Gymnasts are doing all of those things. Ballerinas are doing all of those things. They don't wear stuff like that. So there are tights if you need them. There's, you know, spandex or whatever that goes under. There's a full, you know, body suit or whatever. There are different costumes that would alternatively be available. But for some reason, that particular look is standard for young girls dancing. I don't know why. So in the first place, that should be a cause for concern. That should be what people should address, right? That culture that as soon as you see little girls, you know, dancing, that's what they wear. If you're worried about Netflix sexualizing those girls with the dance moves, with that look, then you should be even more worried that the culture that we subscribe to already places girls from a young age in that light, right? That's one. Then actually watching the movie. 
99.5 or 9 even percent of people who are hashtagging cancel Netflix, cancel Netflix, haven't watched this movie. Fact. I've seen a lot of people angry, reposting the same pictures over and over again. There are tons of videos on YouTube. It's just the exact same pictures that somebody or a group of people took screenshots of and are sharing to show that Netflix is their claiming. Netflix is promoting pornography and child endangerment and a whole bunch of stuff. But they haven't actually watched the movie. So, of course, seeing a lot of those pictures at first, I was like, hmm, okay, what's going on? This, wh- why is Netflix doing this? I have an inquisitive mind. How is this legal? How is this okay? These girls have mothers. How did their mothers agree? Their fa- you know, it, there has to be more to it. So I cue Netflix, put the movie, I watch it. Movie's about an hour, 30, 34 minutes. I watch every single minute of it. I didn't skip. I didn't fast forward, pause, mute. I actually watched it with my full attention, even recorded some clips. And I'm here to tell you that I see absolutely nothing wrong with that movie. That's just, I want to put that out there. And the reason is this. I have extensive experience working as a mentor for young girls, right? I risk young girls, young girls in high school, through church. I'm talking about 11, 12, 13, 14. That was the age group and that was the age range. This has been a few years, right? Prior to that, there are certain things you would have told me and I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, for 11-year-olds, for 12-year-olds, no, I don't think so. The reality is these kids that you think they're so innocent, they don't know anything, they don't see anything, they know so much more than what you give them credit for. And I think that's where we are falling our own hand, like disappointing ourselves, deceiving ourselves, right? They know so much more. When we were growing up, we didn't have to worry about some of these things. Not that there weren't bad things happening or bad influences. Yes, you would have the occasional person who there were no rules in their own home. Their parents didn't care what they were exposed to. They could watch whatever, do whatever. And they would bring that to school, of course, and try to talk about it and share and, you know, all of that. But that was the extent to which it was happening. We didn't have to worry about the internet. When I was growing up, there wasn't a, okay, I have a laptop and, you know, computer. By the time I was, you know, what, 13, 14, then internet started becoming a thing, dial-up, all of that. There was a huge computer in the house in a place where everybody could see it. So if you went there to even do anything, people walking by, you couldn't really get away with much. And then, of course, got older, got older, social media, Facebook came into play. And so many other things have come after that, Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and so on. But kids now, two-year-olds know how to operate tablets, iPads, cell phones, and that's a fact. Three-year-olds know how to tell Alexa what to do, what to play. They know how to pick up the remotes, turn on Netflix, click to whatever they want to watch, switch to the next one. They are experts at it. Kids are getting cell phones at the age of nine, ten. That exposure is there, whether you like it or you don't. If your child goes to school, private school, public school, charter school, they go to school, they mix with other kids, other people, right? Let me give you an example of something now. There's a guy on TikTok and he does videos like hacks, right? Did you know your iPhone could do this or that? I don't have an iPhone, but, you know, like I said, I like to see stuff, know stuff, know what's going on. And one of his recent hacks, he said, did you know that you could chat in Apple, um, sorry, Apple um, Notes, iNotes, I'm not sure what it's called, but the notes on your Apple device. So when you go on notes, obviously you start typing a note and at the top, there's a place that gives you the option to share the note. Once you share the note, the other person 
in real time, can see what you're typing, can respond to you, can edit the notes, all of that. That's a way to chat. You can attach pictures, videos, of course, text. You can even lock the notes so other people can see it and anybody who even maybe takes your phone or picks up your phone needs a password to get to that note. But that is a way of chatting. Full conversation, audio, visual, everything available. A lot of parents don't know that, but your kids have access to an iPad or an iPhone. It could even be on your own phone and you don't know and you don't even think to check there because you don't know. So that's why I'm like, there's so much going on and you might try to have a handle on everything. A lot of times you can't. So movies like this actually bring a lot of things to light and bring up, okay, topics for discussion. What should you be discussing? What is happening among young children? It's alarming to you. It's uncomfortable for you. But imagine your level of alarm and discomfort when you find out that your child is doing all those things in that movie and worse. Then what? That's the question. Then what? One of my younger cousins, a lot of times I try to talk to her like, you know, just tell me what's happening. I want to know so I can give her advice. And I always tell her, don't worry, it's not going to get to your mom. This is just us talking. And I try to, you know, quip my own stories in and say, oh, I know this is to happen. And I remember when I was younger, just to get her to be uncomfortable. And she would always start with, I'm not doing any of these things. I just see other people at school do those things. And then she goes into this person did that in my class and that person did that and that person. These kids are forward. They are fast. I'm talking about fifth grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, primary four, primary five, primary six, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, nine-year-olds. These kids are doing things that will make you as an adult blush. But it's happening. And guess what? If I didn't ask her or try to bring those kind of conversations up with her, I would never know. She would never volunteer it to her mom because her mom is really strict and she knows even just saying it, you'll get in trouble. But it's the reality of what's happening. And if they don't have anybody to talk to about those things, then how is the problem getting fixed? How are you letting your child know this is not okay? This is why this is happening. This is what to do. When I was growing up, my mom was very open. And till today, that's the best thing she ever did for me. My mom wasn't one of those parents that shied away from stuff or said, you know, I don't want to ever hear. My mom would have those conversations. You will be so uncomfortable. Sometimes I'm like, I just want the ground to open up and swallow me. But she would have those conversations, give you real life examples, tell you stuff. This is the honest truth. This is what's happening out there. This is why you shouldn't be a part of this. This is why you should avoid that. She was open. She was honest. I could come to her with stories of, okay, this is what people are doing. We could laugh about it. She would scold me when necessary. But I knew that there wasn't anything I was seeing or hearing that I couldn't ask her about or confirm with her or tell her. That is exactly what you want the relationship with your children to be. There are, I mean, kids from the age of, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 on TikTok, on Snapchat. I know most of those apps say you have to be 13, but of course, Nobody's very fine. It just asks you to put the year you were born. You can put anything. There's no ID or passport or anything to verify. These kids are doing dance challenges to Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and whoever else out there. They're dancing to songs that the lyrics are not even child appropriate at all. The videos are not child appropriate at all. There's a WAP, um, the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song that came out really explicit. There's a WAP dance challenge that's going around now. And it's funny because I've seen so many kids doing that challenge on social media. Some of them are doing the challenge with their parents. 
It's summer, they're wearing shorts, t-shirts, bathing suit, bikini. They are doing and their parents don't mind. It's fun, it's interesting. Oh, this is fun, this is cute, this is viral, this is trending. But the dance steps that these girls are doing in the Cuties movie is just a snippet of, in fact, funny enough, one of the dances in, from that WAP video is what those girls did. So once again, I bring up the word hypocritical. It's not okay because Netflix is putting it on TV, but it's okay because your children are actually doing these things at home. It's happening, right? So why not watch the movie, even understand, okay, what is the hype about? What's the noise about? When you put a movie to watch, if you start watching and stuff starts getting crazy, of course you turn it off, you condemn the movie, we support you. But for you to be so passionate about this is so bad, this is so horrible, cancel Netflix, you haven't even watched the movie. You literally just saw clips from, I kid you not, the dancing part, the part where they're in that uniform and, you know, which was making headlines, which was actually the cover of the movie initially, is not even five minutes of the entire movie that is an hour and 34 minutes. That's the joke. That particular, you know, scene where they're in the blue and purple and whatever that outfit is, was literally barely five minutes in the last, what, 20 minutes of the movie? That's not what the movie is about at all. The movie, spoiler alert, I don't know if people are still going to watch it, but anyway, the movie is about a Senegalese girl. She's from a Muslim home, and they're immigrants. They just moved to France. Moved with her mom, her younger brother, and then an actual baby brother. And it shows the, will I say, discrepancy or the double life she's living What's happening at home? What's happening in school? She comes from a very conservative family. In fact, in the beginning of the movie, they show them going to like, a, it wasn't a mosque, but a meeting of Muslim women, you know, all in hijab. They're praying, they're singing, and they're giving advice. And they keep talking about chastity and being covered up, saying that evil spirits reside in the bodies of women who are not covered up. So that's how the movie starts to give you that, you know, extreme opposite of what's happening at home and what she knows to be. And at 11, she's still required to cover up. Then she's going along, she's going along, she's trying to adjust, she's trying to adapt. Their dad didn't come with them to France and she keeps asking her mom, where is he? When is he coming? She overhears her mom say her dad is going to pick a second wife. So the cultural context comes in. We also see her being a huge part of what's going on at home. So she has to take care of her brothers, change them, feed them. You know, the mom is at work, she's taking care of the baby take them to the store, all those type of things, right? Which her friends and her mates who are 11 don't do that in other cultures or, you know, in the culture in France, that's not what they have to be worried about. First day she had gone to school, she's dressed in, you know, long jeans and long shirts and just looking lost, her hair is, you know, just frazzled, nothing extra. But she sees all these other girls dressed, you know, to the nines and some of them have, you know, lipstick on and tight clothes and all of that. And she's, you know, She's lost. She's just from the outside in looking. So one of her trips to take her, you know, siblings to the store, she sees those same girls from school who were popular girls who everybody was rallying around dancing. And she's peeping at them and they, you know, shoo her away. They start picking on her. They call her names. They start calling her homeless. That's the nickname they give her, homeless. You know, why are you dressed this way? Why do you have on these rags? Why do you look like this? And she starts to question herself, her dressing, what's happening. Remember that at home, she and her mom are trying to do with the fact her dad is having a second wife and all this preparation is being made to welcome the wife. They are redoing the bedroom. Um, her mom is crying a lot. They're sending stuff from, you know, back home, Senegal, traditional clothes, gift baskets. They're buying food. All the hype is, you know, gearing up towards that. And then her mom has an auntie who plays the role of a grandma 
And she's, I mean, old school, old school, right? So when the mom is crying and breaking down, but her husband getting remarried, the grandma is like, this is the culture. This is what we do. You better smile and be happy. Don't let people start speaking bad about you. So she's experiencing all this or watching her mom go through all this and it's tearing her apart. And I think it's also pulling her away from that culture because she feels her mom is being humiliated and she's not understanding what's happening. So she keeps trying to impress these girls. She steals her cousin's cell phone so she can belong to tell you know, them, hey, I have a cell phone. Can I hang out with you guys? No, you can't. What are you guys doing? We're dancing. Why are you dancing like that? And they show her a video of some older girls that they are trying to emulate. And of course, it's all those, you know, crop tops and shorts and they're dancing and putting their hand in their mouth and all of those over-sexualized stuff that we see. I mean, even if you look at Britney Spears videos from back then, those are the things that were done to little girls to make them more appealing. Nothing in that video, as far as the dancing or whatever from the girls they were watching was different from, you know, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears of that time. There was, however, this is actually the only part that I find more disturbing than usual those girls dancing and you know how touching you know um their dress or pulling their shirt up and one girl flashed her breast literally a split second like i almost missed it and i rewound it and i paused i was like okay this is what people are talking about was a flash right they could have done without that part but that part was in there so anyway she now starts at home practicing these dance steps because the friends don't want her in the group they think she's not cool enough you can't be part of us so she's practicing and then there's a group of those four girls. One of them falls out with the others and they need someone to join the group. So she volunteers herself and they're like, mm, cool, you don't know the dance. She does the dance. They're like, well, you know the dance, but still the other girls are not going to let you in. You just don't fit in. And then she's been practicing all the other sultry moves from those videos they had showed her and she starts doing it. And the friend is like, wait, what? You know this? And she's recording her. So there's a scene that She's kind of on all fours and putting her hand in her mouth in a laundromat. And that's one of the screen grabs that's going around. That was the context of that part where that was the first time she did something like that. And she did it as a way in. And as she did that, the girl who was just saying, you don't belong. I don't care if you can dance. You cannot be part of this group. Instantly starts recording her. She's cheering. She's clapping. The next scene, she's part of the group. She's actually teaching those girls those dance steps. And they're not getting it. And she keeps showing them over and over again so that you know stark reality of when she was being herself when she was you know regular girl they would make fun of her you don't have any boobs yet your butt is so flat why do you dress like this all of that as soon as she did those grown moves immediately she was welcomed into that group that's a talking point for you peer pressure with your kids she gets into that group and then she actually starts doing the most, even more than her friends, right? To the point where they say she posted a picture, maybe a nude picture or something like that. They don't show any pictures. They don't say anything like that, but they say that. And she gets in trouble in school. They call her parents or call her mom or auntie. She goes home and they blast her. Her mom is hitting her, screaming at her, yelling at her. They even do an exorcism type thing. Like there's obviously an evil spirit. We need to get it out of you. They're pouring holy water on her. Her mom invites an imam to the house to pray for her. And he tells her, it's growing pains pretty much. She doesn't have an evil spirit. You guys are going through a lot with your husband marrying a second wife. It's eating you up. It's eating your daughter up. If you can't persevere, it's fine if you leave the marriage. You don't have to stay. But this girl doesn't have an evil spirit. So that was the first person who actually made it known. And this is coming from a religious leader that 
what she's going through is as a result of everything else happening around her. She doesn't need, you know, to be, she doesn't need some exorcism. She needs that love, that care, that attention. While all this is going on, they go to the park, you know, school, all of that. They try to get close to guys or let guys notice them. And when they're asked, the first time she says, we're 11. And the friends are like, no, we're not, we're 14. So they get mad at her because the guys are like, you're kids and they walk off. Why do you say, you know, why are you guys lying to be 14? And the friends are like, because you want to seem more grown. People take you more seriously when you act grown. And that literally becomes her aim and her mission to be grown, to act grown, to dress grown. She takes her little brother's shirt for goodness sake and wears that so she can have a crop top. Of course, she's not leaving home like that, right? What's funny is that she gives her brother a talisman, which is, if you're a Christian, a rosary, but for like Muslims, as a bribery gift. Like this is something important, something special that she knows he wanted. She gives it to him to say, don't tell anybody about the shirt. So there's just a lot of paradoxes, like what she's living outside or what she's trying to be and what she's used to and how she was raised. At some point, she goes out with her friends, all of that, and she starts her period. But she doesn't know that she started her period, right? Let me backtrack a little bit. They're making her cook the food for her dad's wedding, like a lot of the cooking. Literally three huge sacks of onions that she had to cut and she's cutting and crying and you see her in that, right? But at the same time, her friends are there at the dance audition. So just seeing that home life versus what she wants to go do, right? What her culture makes her do, what her culture dictates. She's like, my dad is marrying somebody I don't care about, my mom doesn't care about, but we have to pretend we're excited. We have to welcome this person. I don't like it. I hate this. And she does all that. She's helping her grandma with her little siblings. They're supposed to be going somewhere to go continue the cooking. And she just drops all the stuff in the middle of the street and runs off. Goes to the audition. She's already late. Her friends are already inside. She can't dance with them. So she's watching from the outside. And they're doing what they're doing. They're doing what they're doing. And she feels so bad, so disappointed. She goes home. And when she gets home, her grandma is sitting there waiting for her and just like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Every other child I've trained has listened. You're the only one. You're so rebellious. And while she's talking, she notices the girl is bleeding and she starts to laugh. And she gets up and the girl is panicked and she's like, no, you're fine. This is your period. This is what happens. And explains, you know, in my day, this meant it was time to get married. When I started my period, I was 13. They prepped me. I got married. You know, you don't have to worry about that. So that's another cultural context that comes into play where she's trying to act so grown, trying to be 14, trying to dance seductively. She doesn't even know what a period is, right? And seeing that grandma kind of melt away from her anger and welcome her and, you know, say, hey, this is what this means. You're now a woman and give her that advice was really good to see. Anyway, her friends are mad at her for not showing up at the audition. They're like, you know what? We can't even dance with you. They don't even want to be friends with her. They don't want to be seen with her. She's now ostracized. So she's gotten in trouble at home and now she doesn't have any friends and she's losing her mind. She's literally what can I do? How can I up the ante? How can I do more? How can I do more? How can I do more? She posts this picture supposedly of herself online or exposing herself and her friends are mad at her. They're like, you make people think we're bad. This is not who we are. You took it too far. And she's confused because she says, but this is what you guys wanted. This was the whole idea to be grown. And they're like, no. So at every stage, this bad behavior is checked by different people, her grandma, her mom, the school authorities, even the friends she was trying to impress. Anyway, the day for the dance or whatever comes, which is the same day as her dad's wedding, they already kicked her out, but she insists on going. Actually, sabotages another girl, gets there right when they're about to start. They don't have a choice. She goes on stage with them. They start dancing. 
And that's the part that most people have seen or the clips or the screenshots, right? And they're doing all these dances and being so adult and vulgar, really. And the audience is appalled. The judges are appalled. People are booing them. People are covering their kids' eyes. Nobody's supporting them. Nobody's happy with them. Even from their faces, you can see that it's awkward for them. But they feel that's something they need to do. And while all this is going on, she has an epiphany where she just starts hearing her mom or her grandmother's voice in her language. They are singing. They are praying. And she just, like a flood of tears right there on the stage. She's weeping. And she runs off. She runs back home. Of course, she gets home dressed like that. Her grandma or auntie, whatever, is livid. And her mom says, no, no, no. I'm guessing because of the advice the mom had given and just draws her clothes and hugs her and lets her cry. And she keeps saying, don't go. You don't have to go. Let's not let this happen. And the mom says, I have to. And at that point, the mom is in full, you know, Senegalese regalia. She's putting on her headscarf. And it just also shows you that whole, the culture issue, the tradition issue, the um, problems, you know, that the mom has to act maturely, quote unquote, about and just accept. So her mom says, you don't have to come, but I have to go. So she looks at the clothes they sewed for her to wear and she just decides not to go. She's dressed again in jeans and long sleeve, pretty much the way she was dressed when the movie started, back to her regular childhood self, goes and peeps on what's going on at the dad's wedding, refuses to go in, goes outside and their kids skipping and jumping and they ask if she wants to join and she says yes. So she starts skipping, she's smiling, she's happy, she's jumping. She's embraced her childhood again. So for me, that was a really good movie because these are the things that children face. These are the things that immigrants face. These are things that young kids at younger and younger ages are having to do, right? She wanted her freedom so much. When she had the so-called freedom, she didn't know what to do with it. Even the so-called friends she was trying to impress, you know, had to take a step back. There's so many children, so many young girls who are in that position where they feel, I have to do this because this is what people want to see. This is what people will make people accept me. I can't be myself. I'm getting bullied. And they lose, you know, you're at the point where you're trying to figure out what your identity is. You don't feel like you can talk to your parents at home. This is what's trending. This is what's viral on social media and everywhere else. You fall into that trap. And a lot of times you even fall more than the people who you're trying to copy or trying to please, you know? So for me, this was something that if I had a daughter that was like that age, I would watch with her. And say, hey, this is why we're watching this. This is what's happening. Let that open up conversation and ask, what trends do you see? What are your friends doing? What are people saying? And don't be quick to get mad or scold them or scream. But actually listen and let them know, you know what? You can come to me for anything. I'm here. I'm listening. I want to hear what it is. I want to know what it is. Could they have acted the movie without the girls dancing? Probably could have. Could they have acted it without the girls wearing those, you know, dance clothes or whatever? Once again, they probably could have. But like I said, that is the standard. Especially black girl dance groups or teams, you know, those things are such a big deal. Getting in, being captain. If anybody has ever watched Dance Moms, you know, it was on TV for the longest for so many years. Those are the same things they wear, right? And if you pause those movies or played in slow motion and started taking pictures, there will be certain poses that would be seductive or seen as overly sexual. That's the truth, right? But that was on TV and that was okay. There was so much drama surrounding the moms. And I mean, Jojo Siwa even became popular from that. Nobody was complaining. Nobody was mad. People still go to county fairs and still go to sports games and still go to pageants and see girls dressed like that. Why is a five-year-old in makeup? Why is a six-year-old in booty shorts and crop tops? But it's okay. It's cute. But now it's in a movie and they're trying to give life lessons and people are mad. People are angry. Nephis is promoting pedophilia. No. 
a pedophile will see even a girl covered from head to toe in, you know, garments or clothes or face coverings and still be sick and still be turned on. Those same pedophiles are talking about, we turn on dance moms and be turned on. We turn on high school cheerleaders, you know, gymnasts and swimmers and every other person and be turned on. We watch Olympics all the time. We watch junior Olympics. We watch sports, you know, championships. There are kids that swim and their bathing suits, they don't wear, you know, pants or shorts. It's just the onesie and, you, you know, it doesn't cover their entire butt cheek or anything. Nobody's complaining, right? So for me, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. Let's actually delve in. Let's get in. Let's understand why did they portray it like this? How true is it? How can we actually tear down those norms and start over? Saying cancel Netflix, that's your prerogative. That's your $12.99 or however much you're paying. If you want to cancel Netflix, that's fine. But canceling Netflix is not going to change what is happening. It's not going to change the challenges that your teenagers and preteens are facing. It's not going to stop the peer pressure. It's not going to stop bad influences and so on and so forth. What is important to do is take what you can learn from it. You might not be interested at all. To you, that's just a lesson that is unnecessary. That's fine. But stop posting pictures and giving strong opinions on something you don't know about. I have never been to China before. I've heard stories. I've watched some stuff. I've heard people's accounts. I'm not going to start making posts saying, guys, China, I've ne- I don't know. I've never experienced it. I've had a conversation with someone before who said, Nigeria is just full of criminals, people who scam people and poverty. That's why they're scamming. There's extreme poverty. Showed me pictures of people poor, just laying right there in the sand with flies and just hungry. You could see their ribs. And that was the representation of Nigeria. And I said, well, I'm Nigerian. He was shocked. What? What do you mean? Are you sure? I'm like, that's what the media shows you. Those are the pictures that they choose to show you. There are also mansions. There are people with boats and yachts and private jets and maids and 20, you know, room mansions and all of that with millions and billions of dollars, all of that, right? But those particular pictures that you see saying, you know, save a child, a dollar a day are specifically curated to show you that children are suffering in Africa. It's war-torn. There's a lot of evil and crime. They need your money. They're not going to show you the pictures of affluence. They're not going to show you the pictures of nice homes and lovely neighborhoods and good schools and thriving businesses and wealth. No, because that doesn't fit into the narrative of them trying to tug at your heart's strings so that you can give money. Same with, you know, animal welfare campaign videos. You see these animals that look so sick and they've suffered and they've just really been abused. And there are so many other animals who are thriving. People are taking care of. We see people spending thousands of dollars on their dogs. And they're not going to add those pictures because it doesn't fit the narrative of the agenda they are trying to push. So just because you see a whole bunch of pictures together and it looks horrible, why don't you do your research? Why don't you turn it on and watch it? Nobody in all those pictures shows the pictures that are going around. There's none of them that includes that same girl in a hijab. None at all. There's none of them that include her in full clothes, which she was in most of the time in the movie. They don't show you that. There's even a scene that was really touching where the girls were in the park. They're all playing. They're talking. They're hanging out. And one of the girls sees something on the floor, picks it up and starts blowing into it. And she says, hey, guys, you know. This is a balloon. I've blown it up. It's going to be a big boob. I'm going to put it in my clothes. And the other girls get up and start walking away from her. And they're literally screaming, that's a condom. People who have HIV use those. You definitely have HIV. 
you already smell of death. Don't come near us. That was the exact words. And the girl says, I didn't know. How was I supposed to know? And she actually starts crying. Juxtaposed to those same girls who are trying to act like they are grown, right? So in that, you see, they don't even know about periods, but they know what a condom is because they probably heard something. They think condoms are for people who have HIV, which is so far from the truth. Condoms are not for only people who have HIV, right? They think, okay, you touched a condom, therefore you're going to die. Condom equals death. I mean, there's so much in there as far as addressing misconceptions and misinformations and encouraging research and having open conversations. And like I said, maybe it's because I have experience with working with girls who are 11, 12. I'm telling you that one of these girls came up to the people who were, you know, leading or volunteering were mostly university students and people who had just graduated college. Literally 12 came up and said, hey, I'm going to have sex for the first time tomorrow. I've waited for so long. I'm ready. He loves me. We've talked about it. We've planned it after school. My mom is not going to be home. Do you have any tips? Straight up. Not somebody said, not I heard, not I read. I was present. I know this girl. Personally, I've interacted with her. I've gone to camp with her. I know her. And that was what she said. So when you think, oh, I just have this little 11 or 12 year old, her mom probably thinks, oh, my little sweet girl who doesn't know anything. In that same school, another girl had been a victim of being recorded. Some guy had cajoled her to come over. They were messing around. I believe they were actually sleeping together, having sex. And she didn't know that two of his friends were hiding and recording. So they came out and insisted, if you don't do what you just did with him with us, we're going to share this video. Of course, she obliged. She was scared. She was afraid. She now ended up sleeping with those other two guys. These kids were 13. And they still started sharing the video. So the video was going around in school. She got suspended. Parents got called. These kids, how old are they? What do they know? Nothing. But the parents probably thought, hey, I have this innocent child. There's another girl in the school who was 12, got pregnant because some older guy who lived in the neighborhood had impregnated her. She was coming to school still pregnant. So really, yes, that might be extreme. Your child or your niece or nephew or whoever you know might not have gotten that far. But if you're in situations where people around you are doing those things, they're seeing those things, they're okay with those things, then... And you are not having that conversation with them because, oh my goodness, this is so uncomfortable. If something makes you uncomfortable, then that should be something you address. Why is it making you uncomfortable? Is it really happening? Yes. So why are you uncomfortable? It's a reality, you know? So if anything, I would say, still watch the movie, give your own verdict, see if there are any lessons. I kid you not. And I promise you that if you've been someone who has passed those pictures on and been so angry, you will actually have a change of heart when you watch the movie. Come to the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know what your thoughts are. Have you seen the movie? What do you think about the movie? How did the pictures make you feel? Were you cajoled into buying the whole fake news? Did you watch the movie and still think this was unnecessary? I don't like it. I want to know what your opinion is. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Bansa Motivation. Wish you guys an amazing weekend, a great week ahead. Remember, be kind, be safe, be careful. And of course, behave until next time. Bye.